I mean, it sounds great, right? It's a really easy way to become a better developer, charge a little bit more for the websites you build, but also protecting your clients and their businesses. All great selling points, right? All you have to do is build for digital accessibility best practices. Hey, and welcome back to the Digital Masters Growing Your Web Dev Business Podcast. My name is Marisa Vanskyver, aka Captain Coder. Now, I've been coding and building websites for over 20 years now, actually getting paid to do it for about 16. And I've been working in digital marketing since before Facebook business pages even existed. I created and scaled a full-service marketing agency to over six figures. But now I focus mostly on building websites that convert for my clients, as well as teaching digital marketing at my local university. This week, we're going to dive into digital accessibility and how making your websites more inclusive means you can charge more for your clients, but also keeps them protected. I mean, it sounds great, right? It's a really easy way to become a better developer, charge a little bit more for the websites you build, but also protecting your clients and their businesses. All great selling points, right? All you have to do is build for digital accessibility best practices. Now look, if you haven't seen or heard any conversations on digital accessibility in the last year, at the very minimum, um, and making inclusive content, I would be highly surprised. Look, I'm not going to go through why you should care about digital accessibility, except to tell you that you should. A really, really quick summary of the base, base reason you should care that a website you're building is inclusive If you're building an inclusive website, it's going to have better on-page SEO. Simple. It's true. I mean, think about it this way. Google views your website not through a person. There's not somebody in a different country going through every single website and going, yep, it has this, this, and this, right? No, it's a bot. A bot crawling your website basically looks at your website the same way that someone who's using an automatic screen reader is looking at your website. I mean, when you think about it, when you're making your websites work for somebody who's going through your website with a screen reader and having it read back to them, it just means you're making your websites work better for Google. So, not only are you being inclusive and avoiding getting your clients into potential lawsuits, for not having an inclusive website, but you're helping out their website's SEO. Those are all huge wins to getting a bigger paycheck for every single website you build. Now, I hear a lot of people, and I've seen a lot in the last year, is people work to improve accessibility on the websites they're building. And they think it's a really big thing. Now, to have a completely fully accessible website, there is a lot that goes into this. But there's a lot of small changes that you can make to your workflow, simple things that you can do tomorrow on a website you're working on to improve the digital accessibility tenfold. That first big step is by using alt tags that have an actual description of what's in the image. Now, you guys probably know that alt tags are really good for SEO. It's a great way to get keywords onto your page in a different way. 
But if you didn't know that alt tags are also what is being read as a description of that image, then you really don't know what they're actually for. Alt tag basically stands for alternative text. It's saying that if that image can't load, or if the person viewing the website can't see the image, that alternative text is supposed to describe what's in the image. So think of it as red Ford truck, or 1950s red Ford truck, not keyword stuffing it, you know, with auto repair and things like that. And here's the thing, <laughs> this should really apply for almost every single image you upload to your website, unless that image is purely decorative. But even then, it takes a few additional seconds to add an alt tag. And if you're building websites with WordPress, WordPress makes adding alt tags in the media library so simple, there's really not a reason to take an extra five seconds to do it when you upload that image. Another part of this and optimizing images for the web and for digital accessibility is to ensure that your file names are clear and descriptive. So here again, you do not want to have your file name be something like file-01385-hayjet.jpg. That means absolutely nothing. And you know what happens when you don't have an alt tag on your image? When somebody is viewing your website with a screen reader, they get read that junk file name. So Think about it that way. And even Google looks at that file name to know what's in that image, right? As they look at that alt tag. So again, really simple. It adds an additional five to 10 seconds to your workflow, but every single image you upload should have a descriptive file name like red-ford-truck.jpg. That descriptive and clear file name goes a long way to improving your SEO, improving your digital accessibility. And when you add the alt text, it means your images are fully optimized, not only for Google, but for anybody who's viewing your website in a different way. Now, the next thing you need to think about is colors. So colors doesn't they don't just affect the person, you know, viewing who has good eyesight or even somebody who has older eyesight. You have to think about somebody who is colorblind or has some kind of other visual impairments. Are you using colors that people can actually read? And you would be surprised that so many people forget to think about this. And it's not always about digital accessibility. It's just about legibility. Now, WebAIM has a really great contrast checking tool that you can use because you need to ensure that your font color on whatever background color you use has a high enough contrast. Classics are black on white and white on black, but I know that you're going to want to use either, you know, brand colors or things like that. So you want to check and make sure that when you have a different colored background, that whatever font color you're using on top of that is still legible by everyone. And that contrast checker makes it so easy. I actually used to work for the Scottish government publisher. We did a lot of digital accessibility where we took PDF documents and made them fully accessible HTML documents. 
It took us a little longer to run colors through an accessibility checker, but we used WebAIM's tool and it was very simple. And sometimes we would have to tweak things a little bit and we would have to, you know, explain to the client why it took just a little longer. Of course, the client was the government, but we always made sure that whatever font color we were using was legible. Something else that I like to tell people too is, you know, really avoid having text on the image. Now, if you have text on an image, especially like a patterned background, it can be really hard for other people to read. So just think about that. Um, you can, of course, break that rule, but you might need to use a drop shadow or a color outline on the actual font to make it more legible. Now with fonts, you just want to make sure that in general, your fonts are easy to read and that they're large enough. Um, I'm only 33 and I feel like I'm already noticing that some font can get too tiny. Now the digital accessibility guidelines from ADA and other places will tell you it needs to be 12 point Arial. I would say online, you want to have a base font of at least 16 pixels high. Personally, I prefer 18 because it's just a little bit bigger and a lot more legible. You can use serif fonts. It is a myth that you cannot use a serif font, that they're less legible than serifs. But again, personal preference is I tend to like clean, open serif fonts when I use those on websites. I do usually recommend and advise against using script fonts on a website. If you want to use a script, make sure it's just the headline. Double check the legibility. There are some online tools that you can make sure that it is legible, whatever font you choose. And don't ever use a script font for your body text. Just think about how hard that is on your eyes in general when you're testing some of these things. And that's the other part of accessibility. Most of the things I'm talking about are just good user experience. If you focus on good UX, when the buttons, the links, the design, everything are all easy to follow, it just makes the entire experience easier and it makes your digital accessibility higher as well. Now, the next part of this is if you have a client who has a lot of video or audio on their websites, I highly recommend that you use transcripts and video captions throughout your website. Let's talk about that a little bit more. You know, I can't even begin to emphasize how important captions are in general to include in any video you produce. Statistics tell us that about 80% watch video without the sound on but some people don't have any choice. Even my podcast here, I provide in a podcast format and it's pretty much written out on my blog. So you can get the same content, whether you're reading it or listening to it. And I understand that using captions can kind of feel overwhelming, especially if you're shooting longer form videos. There are, however, great transcription services like rev.com. I personally use Rev's automated services. It's only 25 cents a minute, and I feel like it gets more accurate every time I upload a video, and I don't always enunciate things quite clearly. 
I barely need to tweak anything at this point. It's also good for videos that you're uploading to YouTube, Vimeo, or even Facebook because you can upload an SRT captions file that will time your approved captions to your video perfectly. Rev, though, gives you the ability to download your transcripts in multiple formats. So you can upload your video to Vimeo to have it appear on a website with the captions included and timed, and you can actually have transcripts listed below. I actually just did this for a client who has an online course. We had every single one of their course videos translate, transcripted sorry, through Rev. We took those transcripts, we uploaded the SRT captions file so the video in Vimeo had closed captioning available should people want it, but we also copy and pasted the transcripts in an optional collapsible box down below. So you have the ability to either watch the video or read the video transcript and it was all there available for those customers. It's a big thing for them because they're trying to reach not only um, people on their phones and in maybe low um, mobile device, you know, bad internet areas, but it just gave everybody a different way to interact with the content and still get it. And then you don't have to scroll back through the video even when you have the transcripts to find that one little piece of information you wanted to copy. Now, when you're uploading videos to Instagram, TikTok, any other platforms that are shorter, Rev provides burned in captions that appear in the video automatically. They're in the video file. Um, but I actually prefer an app called Captions Speak to the Camera. It is iPhone only, um, but it adds cool stylized captions to my videos. It's also free, which is a huge bonus. Um, you know, TikTok and Instagram both are working on rolling out closed captioning in-app, which is just amazing. Um, but typically, captions are going to take some time to edit and maybe some money up front to get created, depending on how you're using them. But I promise you, they'll do a lot to ensure that your video content is not only inclusive, but watchable by everyone, no matter where they are, including on your website. Now, we talked about a lot of things on your website to make them more inclusive, but you know, part of this, and if you're doing any kind of digital marketing for your clients or even for yourself, all of these things should be followed through on social media too. It's, <laughs> it's funny, I talk about this a lot, but you know, when you should follow the same practice on your website, in your social media, because it helps people get to know you, it helps build your brand and things like that. But it also just gets you in the habit of being more inclusive and thinking more inclusively. It just makes your life a lot easier, but it also keeps you from excluding anybody from your content and working with you as well. Like I said, Instagram and TikTok are rolling out captions for their videos. Not everybody has those, but you can add alt tags to your Instagram photos. You have to do it manually through an app. So if you are using a scheduler like I do, you have to go in and edit your post to find the alt tag, or you can add the alt tag while you're creating that feed post. 
And that really needs to be a description of what's in your image. Another good practice is to not put a lot of text or any text in your Instagram images because not everybody's going to be able to read that. It's not always very legible. So you want to make sure that if you do have any text in your graphics on Instagram, that you provide a description and a good caption below so that everybody can read it and follow along. I do want to caution you guys, though, I noticed a lot of people who are using those fancy fonts on Facebook and Instagram. And um, here's the thing, they're emojis. And you guys probably know if you've ever talked to anybody who has an iPhone versus somebody who has an Android versus somebody who has an LG, because apparently those people do exist. Um, emojis don't look the same on every single device. Oh, yeah, there's Google Pixel, too. Yeah, you know. But even between an iPhone and a Galaxy, because that's what most people have, emojis aren't the same. So that fancy font that you're using may not read the same on somebody else's device. They can be incredibly hard to read and any screen readers can't read those because it's not actually text. I like to tell my clients that a good rule of thumb for things like that, if you can't change something like that in the app, don't don't do it. Like if you can't change the font style or color in an app without, like outside of the app, don't do it. Things can only go wrong. Now look, I know I mentioned at the beginning that you can make more money if you just apply some of the simple, at least website tips to this, but I'm not kidding. I am getting more and more RFPs in the last six months that really emphasize that they want to be ADA compliant and they want to follow digital accessibility best practices. If you aren't making the changes now, simply to be able to charge more for the websites you're building, you can potentially lose out on business later down the road when digital accessibility becomes the norm with building websites. So go through the websites you're building and start first on just changing up your image optimization and adding those alt tags and adding those file descriptive file names. You'll notice your client's SEO improve with just those two steps. But if you really want to go further with the digital accessibility, you have to start thinking more inclusively. If you guys have any questions at all, please find me on Instagram at Captain of the Coders or at CaptainOfTheCoders.com. And I'd be happy to answer those questions. And I'll look forward to seeing you all next week.